I hear that, you know, and I, I just enjoyed listening to that. It was great. And they realize again all the areas I've gone wrong <laughs> or where I need to keep improving on, which is great. So thanks, babe. That was awesome. And um, so hi, guys. And uh, this is always a joy. Thanks again, uh, Justin and Anna, for having us and being with you and looking forward to tomorrow as well, by the way. And uh, being with you on Sunday, which would be which would be great. So, and I am going to get into uh, obviously Bernie touched on some uh, particularly at the end there some parenting things, particularly around the areas of atmosphere and creating environment. Uh, but I'm going to get into some more specifics around. Hey guys, how are you? Um, parenting uh, and the philosophy and some practices around parenting. Is that okay? So probably going to get quite practical, uh, which I found is good. Uh, just a couple of comments though, uh, just thoughts on marriage that I had as Bernie was speaking. Uh, and we've talked about this a lot too, you know, opposites attract, then they attack. <laughs> and then they attach. So you've got to get through the attack phase. <laughs> um, and pretty well every, every marriage that we know and dealt with and you've, that you've seen, uh, God puts differences together for a reason. Uh, and the differences, as Bernie laid out beautifully there, with it's, you know, obviously gender, just the gender difference alone, and, and of course personality, background, you know, but whatever it is, the opposites attract. But it's interesting what begins as attraction, uh, it quickly can turn into attack. Um, because uh, we do. There's something in our human nature, particularly broken human nature, that attacks what's different. I mean, that's what, that's what racism is. Um, and, you know, we, we attack what we don't know. We attack what's different. Uh, and the part of the, co- the, part of the gospel, because uh, relationships aren't... The gospel doesn't include relationships. The gospel is relationships. So recognizing that how how not important but central relations are to the gospel it means for us as as believers that it changes the game it completely changes the game and if and i'm not going to go into this now but you know theology is always important the vertical axis of the cross is the relationship between god and us it's a relationship but the horizontal aspect of the cross is 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 others our relationship with others and the gospel isn't complete until our relationship with others is repaired we all evangelical world always talks about this come to Christ give your life to Christ give your life to Christ. great but the gospel is not complete until our relationship with others so in Ephesians uh, I didn't mean to go here but it's it just I just want to create a framework Ephesians chapter 2 is the definition of it. Ephesians, first half of Ephesians 2 is this. Saved by grace, you know, not by works, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's all, first 10 verses of Ephesians 2 is all that. Just meditate on it and you'll understand what God has done for you and how that's been restored. Ephesians 2, 11 to 18 is all about this. That in the cross he has removed the wall of hostility. And so... Uh, and, and so the, the problem here is blindness. The problem here is hostility. Then the gospel is, is activated and complete once those two barriers are removed. And so once our, the, that, that blindness towards God is removed, but that's only half the picture, the other one. So the, the gospel is constantly working itself out in this area. 
which is our relationship with others. So it's, and that's in every area. Marriage, kids, and the key here, and that, that all of that is summed up in one word, not faith, is all summed up in forgiveness. The gospel is not defined by faith. The gospel is defined by forgiveness. So we, we focus so much on faith. Faith is, you, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? But that's the faith that then God gives you, that gives you, God gives, God gives us forgiveness, but then gives us the power to forgive. And it's only when that exists in relationships can we have relationships. Because Why? Because we're broken. And we always have to, you don't forgive each other once. If you want a good marriage, <laughs> forgiveness. It's forgiveness. How often? <laughs> How often do you breathe? <laughs> In fact, T.D. Jake said that. T.D. Jake said, you should, we, should, we should forgive as frequently as breathing. That's a lot. And it should be as natural as breathing. In other words, because you, you, we, we don't, you don't hold your breath and then breathe occasionally. That's not very healthy. Well, similarly, you don't hold unforgiveness and then forgive occasionally. You and the people around you will explode. So I just want to cover that because really, we've all seen, we've seen in life, we've seen in ministry, when something, when a relationship's going to break down, it's because of unforgiveness. And marriages break down. How many parent-child relationships? And often when they get older, I haven't spoken to my for. That's devastating, devastating. And there's a million reasons. Cut me out of the will. And how many movies have you made on that theme? <laughs> you know, uh, all that business partnerships. There's so many things, and the answer is the gospel. It's not, it's not ancillary to the answer. It is the answer. And it's because we're meant to take that out into the world and what have you. So anyway, I digress. Uh, but I think before we talk about philosophies and pragmatics and what have you, I'm just going to spend a couple of minutes that's all just talking about some basics that we've found. But you can't do any of that without that. So anyway, just, just a couple of thoughts there. Okay. All right. Um, and look, we're trained, just on a practical level, we're trained to do everything else in life except do marriage and raise kids. We're trained to drive trucks and, you know, build bridges, which I do, you know, quite regularly. And uh, <laughs> no, I don't. Um, we're trained to do everything, but we're not trained. We're not given the tools to do the basics. Imagine if they did, actually I wouldn't trust the public school system. <laughs> but anyway, moving right along. Okay, a couple of thoughts on parenting, just some framing. Uh, now look, these principles, uh, a couple of things, I'm gonna do a little bit of a, a um, disclaimer. They, they're universal, they, they apply in any stage of life. So you may say, well, my kids are grown beyond that. It's not too late to apply some of these things. Um, so it's, and, and any, and let me just say this, a tiny change of thinking and behavior makes massive differences. Don't think you've got to get it, you've got to get the whole thing 
everything I talk about, everything that Bernie's talked about, you've got to get it all right. And they just, small changes make a huge difference. So if I can encourage us with that, it would be great. Okay. Um, in, in, the, in, the realm of, in the realm of parenting, right thinking equals right behavior. I'm not here to change your behavior. I'm here to challenge your thinking. Okay, so my, and, my, and look, my thinking's been challenged, and I keep, continue to be challenged. Um, so that's 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 an important thing. Um, as parents, now I'm t- particularly talking to parents of younger children. Now, uh, you are the parent, and uh, some of you may have heard uh, of a gentleman. He wrote all the boundaries books. Henry Cloud, great great writer. He's, he's wrote a book called Boundaries, uh, but he's written subsequent books on other subjects. Boundaries for Leaders, and he wrote one Boundaries for, pa- uh, for Kids. Boundaries for Kids. Probably one of the best books I've read on parenting, Boundaries for Kids. It's not lightweight. It's not a coffee table book. <laughs> it's a hardcore slap you in the face. I mean, I've been parenting for 40 years, and I was confronted by it because he just calls it as it is. He just calls it as it is. But in terms of biblical parenting, and particularly near boundary setting, which I'll get to in a second, that's probably the best book I've, I've read. So so highly recommend that, if you can cope. Or maybe just read little bits in small pieces, you know, what have you. But he says there's one thing. Okay. Now this is going to confront us, and it confronts me. As a parent, and, you, and you're going to think I'm joking or lying <laughs> or kidding. He said... As a parent, you are ridiculously in charge. And you're probably thinking, no, I'm not. (laughs) Because as parents, we usually feel out of control. We usually feel the kids are in control. So one of the, probably the biggest area to shift, uh, and some of you haven't had kids yet, so maybe lock this away for the lock this away for the future, and, and say, or I remember when that guy came and told me that I'm ridiculously in charge. So we'll see how we go with that. Okay, so um, I'm going to just going to give you very simply, very quickly, the ABC of parenting. The ABC of parenting. Okay, and look. Nothing in life that's as complex as parenting. By the way, life gets more complex as you get on. At one, years and years ago, I was just me, the single mark. Then I met Bernie, so now we're together and we're married. And then we had one child and then two children and then three children. Life gets, doesn't get less complex, gets more complex. And then those kids grow. And then they meet partners, and then they get married, and then they have kids, and then we've got in-laws, and then suddenly, what started out is just a very simple: we drive up the coast together with a surfboard on it on top. <laughs> Actually, we're back to that stage now. <laughs> but life's complex, and there's relationships and partners, and and they meet people, and they they come from different backgrounds, and what have you, and it's so you, we've got to navigate through this uh, well, this complex life. So life is not simple. Parenting is not simple. What I'm about to give you will sound simple. It's not. <laughs> but it's hopefully giving you a simple framework to aim towards a couple of things that may help. Is that okay? 
So that's what I'm saying. I just want to preempt it by saying, oh, yeah, I go home and do the three principles, A, B, C, and my whole life. No, it's not like that. But, but at the same time, we need things to hook our life, and we need some basic principles. A part of my passion is to get compl- complex things and trying to make them a little simpler, even for my own sake, which would be good. Okay, A. What are the A? What's the A? There are three A's, and Bernie have, uh, referred to it quickly before. Kids are just like us. They need the big A. They have the same basic emotional needs that you and I have, and they need three things. The three A's, they need acceptance. I'll get to the, I'll just quickly summarize these. They need affection. And they need attention. Acceptance, affection, and attention. Not, not in any particular order. And the whole basis of acceptance, which is the same that God has towards us, he accepts us before we've done anything and he accepts us even in our imperfections. And acceptance acceptance is a feeling that your kids get from you. It's probably the most powerful psychological relationship you can develop with your children. Do my kids feel accepted around me? Or are they constantly being judged? Or do they, do they have to earn my love? And if they have to earn it, then they don't feel accepted. And so that's, I mean, we could unpackage that further. What we tend to do is live in a society which has high expectations and low acceptance. I think in our family environment, we need to not, not have low expectations, but certainly have high acceptance. And then kids, you know, uh, a great writer from music, uh, Ross Campbell, wrote this book, How to Really Love Your Kids. And he said that kids are emotional tanks with legs. <laughs> and our job as parents is to daily fill the tank. I love you. I just, just remember, acceptance. Okay, the second thing is affection which is, has two primary expressions, physical and verbal. Kids cannot, you cannot overly express affection to kids. And there's this Aussie thing, I've heard it years ago, oh, I don't want to give her a big head, I don't want to overdo it. No, no, kids, kids cannot have too much physical and verbal, both as important to each other. And, 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 there way, and, and even as the kids grow, particularly for me as a dad, as the, my daughters grew, there's ways you have to be obviously age appropriate or even as, even as teenagers, they start to do the sort of, you know, <laughs> shrug off. The, Don't touch me. You know, but there's ways to, I'd find if they're doing homework, I'd just walk, stand up behind them and just, just lightly put my hand on their shoulder. Just the slightest amount of touch, the physical affection, you know, and, uh, but our kids, we've always been, we've always been affectionate with our kids. My son, he's nearly 40, and we hug each other, and, and my, my daughters. And, and look, one of the greatest tragedies of father-daughter relationships is the fathers back off when they're young teenage girls. That's when they need most acceptance, most affection, obviously appropriately. But uh, that, that, that bond between the father and the daughter is absolutely critical. So lots and lots and lots and lots of affection, which is, which is awesome. And then, uh, and, and they need attention. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well done. She needs a hand. Come on, give her a hand. In there. 
Can you hear me? Oh, that's awesome. Um, and lots of attention. Okay, now attention. Atten- like Bernie referred to it before, and of course, you know, the big, the big attention stealer is this, as, as we know. And like Bernie said, we didn't have that challenge. We had, there are other things, you know. When we around the dinner table, when we were, our kids were younger, we turned, we, you know, the television was off. There was no phone calls, ants, and what have you. Um, so you. Look, but once again, if you're ridiculously in charge, put boundaries around this. It's, it's really that. But the thing is, the problem isn't the kids often, it's us. It's the parents. We did a similar sort of uh, seminar with, like this in another part of the world, and we were talking in a group like this, and then I was talking about the tension, talking about the phones, and giving kids uh, eye contact. Because attention isn't just verbal, it's eyes. And so this dad in the seminar was like, oh, he just sque- sque- squeamed, uh, <laughs> squealed out or screamed out, oh, I get it, like, you know, I get it. And I'm like, what, what happened? So anyway, so obviously something profound happened. So I said, what happened? He said, just this week, my three-year-old son, he was with his three-year-old son and he, the dad was on the phone. Uh, either watch, you know, checking Instagram, whatever, and this kid's going, hey, dad, hey, dad. And he's and, he, and trying to say something to the dad, and the dad was going, I'm listening, I'm listening. And he's going, Dad, Dad, he's going, I'm listening, I'm listening. And then the, and the, the kid sort of jumped up, somehow the dad must have been low enough, grabbed the phone off, his, off the dad and put it down, and then grabbed the dad's head and said, No, Dad, with your eyes. And it's like, it just broke him up. And it broke him up at the time. But when I was talking about that, the penny dropped and realized that our eye contact with kids, and it is, you are the the apple of God's eye. God looks, he's looking at you. And we need to look at our kids. And the eye contact is so powerful. And one of the great things to do if you've got young kids is get down because there's one thing, there's that eye contact, <laughs> which is like two whopping big eyes. But it's, it's just getting down amongst it. And one of the greatest things you can do, I could just, I've got so many thoughts running through my head. One of the things to do is the mode of, modus operandum, the, the MO of, of adults is work. The, the MO of children is play. I don't know where that changes. But the, you know, they invent games and play 24-7. We've lost the art of play, by the way. I believe that God gives us children so we can rediscover play. But also, if you want to bond with the children, learn to play. And when you try to coexist those worlds, that's why when you leave work, you have to leave work. And you have to re-enter another space. It's another world. Uh, and, that, and once again, computers and phones have wrecked that because work has suddenly come home. So we need to create, create boundaries and all sorts of things for that. And have, like Bernie said, have some fun. You know? so, so those three things are super important. I've got to keep moving. So acceptance, affection, attention. Okay, B. B is real quick. Two things. There's three there and one there. So we're reducing it. Bonding and boundaries. The two Bs of parenting are bonding and boundaries. God calls us, I believe we're called to bond with our children. And without bonding, relationship doesn't exist. You might be officially their parent, but the real power is in a heart-to-heart 
relationship. And that happens, the bonding ironically happens through those three things. If you do those three things long enough, a bond will begin to happen. And across that bond, trust and ease and a sense of, I enjoy your company. I, like with our kids now, and they're all older, we probably are, our best friends are our kids. Now that's taken years and years. And years. Has it always been perfect? No. Has there been conflict? Yes. Have we always just gotten on? Well, no, there's been moments, but the bond is there. And that, that, that carries everything. And so you invest in it, and the bond is you enjoy one another, and the company is there, and they feel it. That's why if work is more important, or the ministry is more important, or the church is more important, the child begins to hate what thing you have bonded with more than them. And if that thing is church, they hate church and they hate God. So this isn't a light issue. We're talking, we want, and I'm sure you want, healthy generations for generations to come. It begins in my relationship with my kids. Because that's flowing into their relationship with their kids now, and so on and so forth. So the bond is super important. If there's anything, it's interesting, the book of um, Ephesians chapter four talks about the bond of peace and it's when the bond of peace has been interrupted for whatever reason you've got to fight to get that back again do whatever it takes now if you your child might be 20 your child might be 30 do whatever you can to get back the bond of peace go and ask for forgiveness give forgiveness get this thing happening because then what will happen is the bond of peace. We've talked, we've talked to people that say, yeah, I've finally made that call. I haven't spoken to my son in 20 years. Called him. They, they read the bond of peace and it's come back again, which is awesome. So, so bond, is, bond is the connection of the heart, a bridge across which flows emotion, acceptance, appreciation, life. That's the bond. Super, super important. Okay, boundaries. Probably the toughest thing in parenting. Uh, a few basic principles. By the way, boundaries equal security. Boundaries, kids want boundaries. Okay, forward slash. <laughs> kids tell you they don't want boundaries. <laughs> the very thing they want, they give you the message they don't want. But in them telling you they don't want it, they're screaming out for it. They're basically saying, will someone please get me under control? That's what kids are saying. They're also saying, subtext, bubble. Does someone love me enough to get me under control? Okay. Our aim is not punishment. Our aim is not control. Our aim is love and development back to Henry Cloud you are ridiculously in charge okay so in order to do that you've got to create boundaries boundaries need to be clear boundaries need to and I'll get to this in a second and see but I want to jump ahead of myself so boundaries are super important boundaries it's very simple Boundaries, if I, if I simplify boundary setting, now it's got to be age appropriate. 
What's appropriate for a three-year-old is not appropriate for a 10-year-old or a 15-year-old. That would be weird. Uh, by the way, in the areas of boundaries and what you f- figure is right and wrong, choose your battles. I see parents drawing a boundary on something or making an issue over something. And I'm like, why bother? It's not worth fighting over. We never fought over haircuts or music choices. And if we didn't like their music choices, I found a really good solution. Right? If they're playing music I really didn't like that much, I'd go into their room while they're playing the music and dance with them. <laughs> They changed it very quickly. <laughs> anyway, so you choose your battles. And Christian parents are the worst. They're the worst because they get all religious about stuff or, or, or superstitious and devils and everything and then that and whatever. Like a lot less things matter. Boundary is about developing character, not religious behavior. Huge difference. Huge difference. Okay. Boundary is very simple. There's a line. Acceptable behavior. Unacceptable behavior. You cross that line. Consequences. Boundaries. (laughs) What, What do we do as parents? Either there is no line. Or the, or the line is like this. <laughs> what does that cause? Confused kids. It's all over the shop. Uh, or, the, or as the child comes, it crosses that line, we go, you cross that line again. So what, is the, what does the child learn? I'll keep crossing the line. So if there's no consequences the first time they cross the line, they go, well, they always get me on the second. And third goes, so you've just pushed the line down here. Or you've just pushed it here. Or we've pushed it here. Why? Because, and Bernie mentioned a few things, we're too tired. Because it takes physical and emotional energy to hold to the line. You need to know where it is. They need to know where it is. And they feel very safe within that thing. So boundary setting, I'm huge on boundary setting huge on boundary setting I see, as we travel around the world I see kids are just going nuts and the parents have no control and the parents are going nuts we should be able to take our kids to the mall to places to restaurants with, within reason and the kids are going to have the kids are going to have their bad days they're going to have their tired days they're going to they're going to have those things and maybe adjust we've been in places like this ain't going to work we're going home <laughs> That's okay. That's being sensitive. That's the bond. That's the bond working going, we are pushing them. They're too tired. And what have you. So look, it's all those things, but just figuring out. So just boundary setting, super important. Okay. Uh, We can speak a lot more on this. And the last one, C, is consistency. Consistency. Um, So much we could talk about in that. You know, we, we hear the three L's of real estate, location, 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 and the three C's of parenting are consistency, consistency, consistency. If you are consistent, 
the kids will know. That off some kids' emotional ups and downs is because they, the, the consistency of boundary setting and response to it are so inconsistent that they don't, what mood is my parent in today? What mood are they in today? Or will they discipline, what they disciplined me yesterday, but today they didn't. So they're confused. So they don't know where that boundary is. So the three areas of consistency is, number one, when you create a boundary, stick to it. Now, if you need to shift that boundary because they've grown out of it, you know, then do that. And if, you've, if you're married and you've got kids, then talk it through. We we'd chat all the time and go, you know what? What we did, that doesn't work anymore. That's not really, we need to shift that. So that's fine, but that happens seasonally. So number one, when you create a boundary, stick to it. Number two, parents agree in front of the kids, read the approach on some issue. Do not disagree with each other in, in front of the kids. You can disagree with each other privately, and that's okay, because that's healthy. Because parents go, you know what? And we need each other. I think dad, because dads tend to be the ones, you pushed it too, too far then. Because then the, you know, the parents, the mum's going to be a bit more nurturing. The dad's going to be more risk-taking. That tends to be the trend. But don't disagree with each other in front of the child. And like, yeah, you can have that. No, I said you can't. The, the kid goes, yes. <laughs> I've got him. I got it. You've just empowered all sorts of things. So, so parents agree. And number three, if you reprimand your child one day for doing something wrong, be committed to reprimanding them every day until the behavior is curbed. This isn't about hurting the child. This isn't about, like I said, punishing them. This is about helping them gain control. Because here's the deal, here's the principle. External boundaries create internal boundaries. So as we, as we help them understand that there is restraint, they learn internal restraint and they learn to be more disciplined themselves eventually because they're going to hit life. They're going to hit life where bosses and leaders and people and our job is to prepare them for life, for schooling, for responsibility, what have you. And these are some of the things that we do. And you'll end up having... A, a mostly good experience as a parent. When I say mostly good, because every parent has insane days for whatever reason, you know, whether it's just everybody's tired or what have you. Um, and so we could spend a lot more time on, on looking at practical things around there. But look, our aim is not to give you advice on what those boundaries should be or what consequences should be. There's lots and lots of stuff out there that you can learn and develop and apply in your situation. And I think it's sometimes very culturally, every, every culture and nation has its appropriateness and has its things that work in those situations, but those things, um, uh, hopefully those things create a little bit of framework at least for understanding parenting. So anyway, well good. Yeah, All right, so um, questions? <laughs>